1: Monday night
0: edition of the pod, one of the better rando NBA nights in a while. Kobe Bryant's jersey retirement, Danny was there, and then that was obscured, at least for me, by another thrilling game between the Lakers and Warriors in Staples Center. The second of those that we've had inside of three weeks here. Also, a fantastic comeback in the last minute by the Celtics after Indiana had then made a fantastic comeback on them. We'll talk a little bit about the Denver OKC game as well. OKC toughing out a one victory against the nuggets and of course some news to get to as well we're sponsored today by SeatGeek use that cap space code to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase so Danny why don't we start since you're actually in Staples Center due to a coincidence you're due to be down in LA on business this week uh what are your impressions of the whole Kobe retirement ceremony
2: it was very nice. I, I mean, it was a lot more pleasant than the last jersey retirement I went to, which was the Chris Mullen jersey retirement, which is kind of famous in the Warriors <laughs> community because Joe Lacob got booed off the stage. Um, but it was it was a really nice overall evening, and the the halftime, which I'm sure aired on some network, was was nice. But the, every stoppage throughout the game was tributes of some other form. So it could have been former players, it could have been figures within the Lakers, and it was it was very nice. And so it was really a, a tribute to his career. It was interesting that they didn't. do a whole segment on the 81 point game but did one on the 60 point game which we actually for those of you who want to listen to dunked on classic i think that's one of the best episodes we ever did was yeah that uh,
0: was the the warriors 73rd win and also the uh the kobe 60 point game We really spliced in the audio on that one we stayed up to like five in the morning i remember doing that episode on the last day of the the regular
2: season yeah and and so it, it was nice to put all that and then the the part that was i don't know if it was surprising to me but the scale of it was surprising was there were a lot of NBA luminaries in the house and that's not just the Lakers like obviously Shaq and Kareem but Bill Russell was there Allen Iverson was there and of course Slava Medvedenko was there
0: he actually was <laughs> Smush Parker was not there
2: I, I mean as I, I wonder he might have been in the 200s I didn't see him
0: uh, try the 300s uh, more likely uh yeah it's interesting I, I mean I was uh, a lot of people are, oh are you're gonna talk about the Kobe retirement like yeah you know we spent a lot of time on him already both when he announced his retirement I did a long episode there I think that was back when Seth actually was still a guest on the show uh you know we obviously did that episode about the 60 point game as well which was quite a long one so I don't really have a lot to add to Kobe I do think in some ways all of this like oh he's having two numbers retired Ooh, like no one's ever had that before it's like well no one ever had two numbers with the same franchise like this either I'm sure plenty of other players that could have gotten that and there are a lot of players who are as good or better than Kobe who just because he played in LA because he had some great teammates and obviously he's a great player he's a top you know between top 15 top 20 player uh, by most people's estimation but a superior player like say a tim duncan you know didn't get anywhere near this lever level of hoopla in part because you know tim duncan's not the sort of guy to narrate his own retirement cer- ceremony uh introduction video um and san antonio is not la of course either so uh it's you'll have to forgive me for kind of being a little bit done with kobe i think he for as good as he is probably gets more a acc- claim and esteem than he deserves at least if you're going to look at it relative to other players who are just as good or better than him during his era
2: I'll mention one quick thing that I, I remember it was striking to me when I started covering the league and throughout until he retired was Kobe was more aware of his legacy and how he was perceived than almost any other player I've ever covered. And he continued that today in his pregame. Like he, he just he does that, you know, he, he he's very smart. And once he kind of got to the point where he realized that was a good idea, he made a lot of he makes a lot of his answers, you know, and then that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's just different. And so the way that he talks and the way that he talks about himself and his work ethic... But it was really genuine in the building, just the appreciation that was there. And it was nice that it came in a game when the Lakers, many of whom he played with, brought really good effort overall. I thought they played a very hard game. And yes, they did end up losing narrowly in overtime, but I thought, I thought especially the young guys, they brought it tonight
0: yeah they did and we'll talk about that game right after this uh, from SeatGeek I'm not sure if even SeatGeek could have gotten you into this Kobe retirement ceremony for you know without spending an arm and a leg but if there was a way to do do it SeatGeek could have and at least they wouldn't have had you spend uh, an arm and two legs as you might have had you tried to get your tickets from somewhere else two reasons why SeatGeek is worth your time because it saves you time and it saves you money two of uh, the more important resources that we have uh, I would say first off it aggregates ticket selling sites together, meaning that now you don't have to go to a bunch of different sites. You don't have all this angst that, oh, you might be missing out on some better deal elsewhere. You just log into the app and the tickets are there at your fingertips all in one place. Then you can easily find the best deal in the area you want to sit in with their proprietary technology that ranks everything based on value. And it's got a, a green dot. The darker, the bigger that green dot is, the better a deal. It is IUC geek to get some great tickets for much less expensive than the seats around me when I went to the Bucks Wizards game in Milwaukee last month. And I highly recommend it as the first place that you should go to try to to find tickets. And if you haven't used SeatGeek yet, great way to get started with them. Use our familiar Capspace code and that will get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's the SeatGeek app and that Capspace code. Let them know that you came from us. So let's get into this game. I really started locking in on this Uh, during the second half uh, but what were your impressions uh, early on here in this one
2: well it shifted a little bit early the Lakers came out they played they played well at the very beginning of the game and Clay Thompson picked up two fouls in the first minute and a half and he was out at the three and a half minute mark and that's when the Lakers really started pushing for a run but then despite that they the second unit basically completely blew that at the end of the first quarter and created the lead that they eventually had to come back you know the Lakers eventually had to come back and and get into this game and it was it was interesting because it I mean it felt like it took forever partially because of the Eternal halftime, but a lot of the players who at certain moments struggled ended up doing better at other times, and the most notable one with that was probably Lonzo Ball. We'll talk about his overtime in a little bit. And Brandon Ingram. Ingram was better defensively early than he was offensively, but then he had had a really nice end of the fourth quarter, so you saw that with some of those guys. But one guy who never got hot was Clay Thompson. Thompson, guarded largely by Contavious Caldwell Pope, who did a wonderful job on him, but also Josh Hart did a nice job and then through switches, some other guys ended up on him. Lonzo included. And he has this problem where when sometimes when curry is out he forces shots and that you know sometimes they go in because clay thompson is a really good shooter but he was missing a lot he ended up with the kobe bryant game seven tribute six of 24 shooting in yeah. an ugly way kd
0: at one point was actually six of 24 as well. as well and then and then he missed the last shot of regulation to go to, to to six of 25 and and i will say that kerr's lineup choices didn't necessarily do clay any favors so they right. had macaw who was very unaggressive in this one bell a a non-shooter at the four javel mcgee a non-shooter at the five and so it really was on clay and kd in those units um to start the first quarter and to start the third quarter especially in the third quarter when they brooke lopez went out with an ankle sprain and so they went with kuzma and those units really i thought were beating up the warriors the warriors were defending just well enough to stay in front but their offense looked horrible and you know thompson and durant just were not able to hit Difficult shots, and there wasn't much else there for Golden State during that time period. In part due to continue continued uh, good Laker defense.
2: Yeah, and it was a, a it was a team effort, and the, the perimeter defense you talked about this a little bit during the game has been markedly better. And that's it, it requires all three guys. I mean, I thought KCP was great, but Ingram did a very nice job. Ball did a very nice job, and then you know, bringing in guys like Corey Brewer off the bench. I mean, Brewer has his limitations, but he can certainly provide energy as a perimeter defender. And the one place that they had a real weak point there and of course a lot of this was at the expense of Kyle Kuzma who is kind of a different thing was Omri Caspi in particular was just murdering them on back cuts and Caspi is not shooting the three like a lot of people probably including me expected him to but he has yeah. been able in to in terms create...
0: of volume not yeah. percentage percentage he's been great but he's shooting you know like 13 she's got like 13 three point attempts all year or whatever it is
2: yeah so he and so he was able to generate reliable offense in that way which was a problem for the Lakers because they were doing so well in other places that when they had some shooting troubles of their own they just really couldn't push the margin and so you know it was it was a nice game from the Lakers defensively and and the fact that they were able to handle the the dual concerns their initial one of course was Brooke Lopez with that ankle injury but then also Ingram took a nasty spill after he got blocked by Jordan Bell
0: Oof, that and was just an, a nasty block although it was. if we're going to give equal time we can talk about KD getting dunked on three times in the first half especially with Larry Nance coming in with the right and i mean kd did it right he tried to block it with the left like you should and you know kd is i think leading the nba in in raw shot blocks if not blocks per game right now so you know if you're a shot blocker you got to be okay w- w- with getting dunked on uh and uh, credit to him for trying but uh yeah he got owned
1: on a yeah, couple I mean, of those yeah i mean i
2: was in that corner so all three of those were right in front of me and they were each one of them was spectacular i think two were nance and the other one was was julius randall yeah i think it was randall and that last. Nance Dung got the crowd on fire and I think the Lakers trailed by four at halftime but the crowd was chanting even as the Kobe retirement ceremony was about to start they were chanting for Larry Nance as he exited the court because that dunk was just so nasty
0: yeah Larry Cooden probably thought they were chanting for him but you know uh,
2: some of them so, were
0: some guys have a closer a, a closer grip on reality than, uh, than others I guess it's actually it, it's a joke because uh, Larry uh, all the students at SBC were like chanting his, his name at the end of SBC this year and uh that became a little, a little bit of a joke especially because i think actually it might have been two years ago and larry nance uh, was doing a bunch of stuff during the game and the lakers fans were filling up summer league and chanting uh, larry and so it was a uh, interesting uh, duality there uh, but anyway i i thought lonzo let's get to his game uh, a few encouraging signs from him in this one i thought that step back that he hit uh going to his left in ot for a three against clay thompson was very nice um the, the finish and
2: Past Jordan Bell was a nice too.
0: Yeah, that was good. And then most encouragingly was how good it looked going to his right when he pulled up from the elbow and hit. That was really a beautiful one. And I thought also just the way he his intelligence level is really high. And and, you know, I mean, we obviously have been down on him on this show. You know, we are very skeptical about his jump shot, but he showed some encouraging signs. This was a game where you could see some nice things from him. In particular, just he knows the. The exact moment off the pick and roll to make a pass you know even if he's not a huge threat he just engages the big engages his own man and then throws a pass at the last possible moment a lot of times he'll even try to make contact with his own man or with the big as he's dribbling to really try to force him to commit before he throws a pass so I like that I like that jumper going to his right he clearly looked much more comfortable shooting that he did not have to bring it up off of his left hip going to his right he actually looked like a normal player making a normal jump shot going to his right so he clearly has put in some work there and then defensively you know he still is susceptible to the back cuts but I like the pressure that he provides uh more off ball than on ball actually just forcing guys further out on the floor and then his help defense was nice he had a a, one play where KD had an iso like went in the lane was going to get a good shot for from the dotted line and ball came over and helped defense and forced him to double pump it and miss it those are the kinds of plays that he provides that not a lot of point guard artists can't.
2: And that's kind of the the challenge with Lonzo that makes him so different, and we had this when we were talking about him as a prospect, is that he has these real strengths that you have to acknowledge. And I want to add in, you talked about his pick and roll, the the timing of his passes. Also, his angles and the speed of his passes is usually spot on, and and those are things that guys can sometimes have trouble with. And he's been solid defensively, as you said, there are some concerns there, but the two things that they need to watch with him are the reliability of his jump shot in a variety of contexts, I mean, catch and shoot, pull up, all those kinds of things, and his ability to create separation. And if either one of those gets markedly better than where it has been to start the season, he can do well. If both of them get better, then he can be a whole heck of a lot better. But he needs to have more games like this, and it was but it was great to see it. And then along those same lines, Brandon Ingram got a lot more aggressive later in the game, even after he had that bad fall. And a lot of it was going to his right, and some of that was failing on Scattering Port. but even when the Warriors got other guys like Kevin Durant, who knew, who had a better idea of what to do against Ingram, he was still able to get shots and get to the line. Line and the Lakers actually got in the bonus early in the fourth quarter, and that helped sustain them in that fourth quarter. But they were getting looks from Ingram and and then eventually an overtime from Ball.
0: Yeah, and Ingram w- will be kicking himself because he got to the foul line quite a bit and uh, missed a, a number of free throws in that fourth quarter. And Ingram, yeah, they definitely did not execute there, letting him get to his right hand. This is actually one of the poor defensive games from Clay Thompson in a while in terms of his defense on the perimeter. He was beaten by Ingram a couple of times, got beaten by ball for that step back three when that's really the only move that ball is going to shoot at late clock um and still though I mean you know Manu Ginobili has been going to his left hand for 20 years and nobody is able to stop him most of the time you know I mean that's always been on the scouting report. now Manu has a lot more to do and he can go right now as well but he prefers to go left the difference between when you force Ingram left I mean he really just cannot go all the way to the rim and finish with the left hand he'll usually stop in the paint he made a couple of real nice passes in the overtime to three point shooters one of which KCP just missed a, a wide open one that that could have put them back in contact late um another interesting aspect of this game was the handling of Jordan Bell by Kerr Bell on that ridiculous block of Ingram you know basically knocked him down legally you know he just hit the ball so hard that Ingram got knocked down and then just stood over him and stared while Kerr was just screaming at him from the bench to run down and then afterwards Kerr had some comments is basically saying hey we got it we're trying to get this guy to run the floor and i took him out after that because he didn't run the floor and he could have had a tip dunk if he would have just run it instead of like you know talking shit to ingram um and then he did put, to his credit put bell back in but then curiously after david west you know played nine minutes in the fourth he went to kevon looney at the end and i thought that actually may have cost them uh at least going into overtime because that ingram layup was on a switch against looney bell a much better switch defender than looney due to his athleticism and and looney tried to execute and make ingram go left and he couldn't and ingram went right through him and, and made a nice layup there to tie the game at 102 so that that was odd and you know i mean i said it at the time like you know hey they should probably go with bell instead of uh looney here um well it was odd but representative
2: yeah. i mean kerr it, it fit a couple of kermos one he likes to give everybody a chance and and looney yeah. it was a game where yeah. i, I Looney's had Looney's not issue. gonna
0: fuck up Co- coaches right. can get uh, you know Bell is the high risk high reward guy in some ways
2: but the other part of this game is like yeah Looney before he came in in the fourth quarter was plus 15 but a lot of that is because he played in lineups that made more sense than the lineups Bell had played in because Correct. Bell was in those non-shooter yeah. lineups and so you get into these these issues where a player is a part of success but they're not a key part of that success and so I think that's a, an yes. element of what happened here plus the trust issue and everything else and bell did get to play in overtime he ended up fouling out of this game but i mean david west yeah. I, I, that was actually one of i mean i know it was because of switch purposes but like on the i think it was the, the possession before when bell fouled out they did an offense defense sub and brought in bell for west and then they couldn't do that on the last one and david west gets the gets the block on lonzo after kevin durant makes the shot that ended up being the game winner
0: yeah we'll, we'll get to the to that very end here uh, um And yeah, Bell in the overtime had a great stop on Julius Randle. He had just a beautiful wraparound bounce pass to Andre Iguodala. Uh, Iguodala played well in terms of getting to the basket, but still his uh, three-point game has been way off so far. And he had to play a lot of minutes, a lot of consecutive minutes in this one as it went into overtime. But KD in the first 42 minutes of the game was four out of 20, and then he caught fire, especially in the OT when he dropped 12 points, including that game winner. And as we get into the overtime here, You know, Lonzo had seven points in that overtime as well. Uh, Jordan Bell got called for a completely ridiculous offensive foul where KCP jumped out of his way and somehow still got uh, the offensive foul. Um, I also thought that the Lakers, you know, they they kept going to Ingram and Ingram had some success, although not as much in the overtime. I felt that they could have used Kyle Kuzma to attack a little bit more. Um, Kuzma had another wonderful game offensively. His floater game, his footwork in the post is really just so fantastic. And I, I, I had they a note really about his footwork him. yeah I yeah.
2: mean seeing it in person was really like the the way that he, he's a little bit a little bit different in terms of his timing of his moves than most guys it's, it's not herky-jerky like Harden it's just a little bit different and that combined with his crisp footwork makes him a lot harder to defend than I that like you, you appreciated it differently seeing him in person really did think he had a nice game I think he ended it was 10 of 20 from the field uh, sorry 10 of 16 I, I was yeah um, I shorted I shortchanged him by a couple yeah. and uh, Although
0: and, he did have some pretty bad defense, like his on-ball oh, yeah. defense really isn't that bad, but his off-ball defense, you know, he really struggles. Never doesn't get any blocks, doesn't get any steals. You know, that's something we talked about in the prospects podcast. He, he got beaten back door a couple of times in this one, just no effect whatsoever if he's uh, you know trying to protect the rim.
2: Yeah, and something I want to see with the Lakers, and, and it was reminded again of this, is just getting into the right five-man combinations. I don't know it, the Lopez injury. I only saw it in person. I didn't see any replays. It didn't look good. So maybe. That will force them to, to try some different stuff, but just—I mean—we've talked about the Kuzma in the starting lineup, but just some of these some of these combinations aren't as good. And another guy who I liked—they're yeah. probably going to
0: start like Lopez, or they're probably going to start like Zubotch or Bogut or something, just because like, I bet
2: they're going to start Bogut when they can. That, yeah, that seems just because, like
0: a total like, move. Yeah, yeah, and a total curve move. Oh, yeah, start the traditional center, like you know, instead of just like you know, the Warriors can get away with not starting their best lineup. Like I, I would really recommend it for um the lakers um so very interesting end of the game here uh as the Warriors, with a minute 53 left, led by four. And then only 40 seconds later, basically, 50 seconds later, trailed by one as Kuzma hit a three. Ingram, a really nice pass. This was a, a fascinating possession in which Ingram beat KD into the middle. And Andre Iguodala somehow just materialized right in front of Ingram, completely surprised him. It was just a great help defense play, the kind of play that Iguadala can make. And Ingram, somehow, some people were saying, Thing, it was a travel, was able to maintain control and find Kuzma. KD was so surprised that Andre had showed up there himself that he wasn't able to get out to Kuzma, and Kuzma banged a three to get him within one. And then after Clay missed a, another three, Lonzo got the defensive rebound and w- was able to make a layup as McCaw and I believe it was KD again. Oh, no, I'm sorry. McCaw and yeah, I think it was Bell actually um, just kind of screwed up the pick and roll coverage uh, on both ball McCaw thought there was a screen tried to jump up into ball and ball was able to accelerate uh and get right down the lane and then Bell was guarding Randall and just couldn't get over there in time he was concerned about what he thought was going to be a pick and, and Lonzo had a nice finish and then I thought you know where critical occurred with this belting but he drew up an, an ATO that basically really changed the game they immediately got a foul for Durant as they had David West come to the free throw line KD was going to pop out from the baseline and then he went right back door on Ingram just beat him like crazy and Ingram had a couple of plays here he looked tired kind of towards the end and like when KD would get separation he really wasn't like able to get back in contact off the ball they also just gave up a three to KD as well where he just kind of you know was guarding him and just didn't bother to get out on him very well and so KD hit those free throws to get him back within one At that point, KCP missed a a three. That was another really nice drive from Ingram. They did actually. That was when Bell, I think, was on Ingram uh, on a switch. They ended up forcing him to his left, stopping him. But McCaw really overhelped on that play. Ingram was contained, and KCP had a wide open three and just uh, missed it. But Randall got the offensive rebound, and then uh, Bell followed out of the game at at that point. uh, And Uh, Randall then with a key free throw miss setting up Kevin Durant's heroics.
2: Yeah, and it, it felt to me like it was I actually called this, I was sitting next to Logan Murdoch and said Randall Randle's gonna miss one, Kevin Durant's gonna pull up from twenty feet, miss it, and then we're gonna go to double overtime because they Lakers had to burn their timeout. Actually, that was a super weird play. I'm not sure if this was caught on caught on the broadcast. Brandon Ingram like lost yeah he, it was he lost on the his shoe. Yeah. He lost his shoe and then he couldn't put it back on, and so they had to burn a timeout because they were gonna get a five second call. It was yeah. and so the nothing so all,
0: nothing is worse than like desperately trying to put your shoe on as fast as you can and like you're like well do i like should i like not untie it and then just like try to slip it back on but you know that like that's probably not going to work but you don't have time to untie it and like put it back on properly and then you know so I, I felt bad for him and luke walton was upset with the referees for not just like giving him a delay to get his shoe back on and so yeah they had to to uh, burn that last uh Timeout. Well, and that. then,
2: and then the last play hinged on something that I—it's not good enough to put on a shirt, but it's something that we talk about <laughs> so much on the show, which is the low I've resistance been borrowing switch. The,
0: yeah, I've—I've I've been borrowing that phrase. I used it on Twitter actually.
2: And I mean, because it's basically they didn't—they didn't—the Warriors didn't force the issue. Like you can do that, but you also teams just consistently screwed this up because it when, was so
0: early. He was never going to go with that. He was never going to
2: take that shot. Like you could—they could have theoretically like thrown their guys in a like just thrown them all in the middle and run, run them back to other guys and Kevin Durant still wouldn't have taken the shot like that's just not what happens in that circumstance so what get it get in the right spot you know do scrams yeah. or the equivalent of it the, they and, were
0: trying to run the time down I mean that was, right. that was clear and there wasn't even really much of a, a scream you know Nick Young came up there and they got Lonzo onto KD rather than Ingram and that you know was a big part of why Durant I think was able to I mean maybe he maybe makes that shot over Ingram anyway but I thought Ingram had done a decent job on him at that point it would have been harder
2: yeah and and so you just put yourself in the best position to succeed and and then on the on the last try down again they didn't have a timeout so durant makes that shot with about i think it was about 6.5 left lonzo gets all the way to the basket but david west gets a nice recovery block i didn't see any issues with it i don't think you did either and so that no
0: no that it was a good block but i I certainly saw some issues i I mean the the lakers were kind of you know futzing around realizing oh shit we don't have any timeouts the warriors had all kinds of time to get matched up and transition and then they just totally blew it like clay thompson thought that he should be guarding someone else and then he belatedly tried to get back in front of of ball kd had gotten back after uh, making the shot and kind of you know preening a little bit and then the problem for thompson was that kd didn't didn't get out to his man and so thompson was caught in between his man and ball and then you know david west wasn't really guarding anyone either and they're just lucky that west was there and was able to make that block uh, on lonzo at the end um we should probably also talk about the end of regulation for the lakers where casey missed that three after the KD miss. I thought, you know, you I'm usually a big fan of going with the the no timeout, but with a six-second differential like there was uh, and KD he took his shot with eight second left, but that's that's when he took it. The KCP in the game log did not get the defensive rebound until five seconds remained in the game. I think you gotta take the timeout at that point when you're under five. And you know, you can get some chaos going, but I think if you for me, the inflection point would be eight seconds. If you are get the rebound with eight seconds or more go ahead run it up otherwise i think better to take the the time out and in fact caldwell pope was uh, pretty rushed you know and it's not like they went slow either you know he just didn't quite have enough time to get into what he would have liked i think
2: one thing, I think it was that KD shot, it might have been the one before, was that he had Julius Randle switched on him and did basically nothing with it, he just stood around and took the three, and like, I'm I'm broadly okay with settling for a shot like that if you have to, but at least try something, I mean, a push, try to get a rebound, because the, the three, if you're as big as Kevin Durant is, is always going to be there, and it's been true for him for like five years now, that just, when he gets a big on a switch, he could be, push a little harder and even get to the free throw line, do something else with it, but he's so confident in his deep two or three and certain i think it was a step back three in this case that he'll do it but again just because yeah. it's a good shot doesn't mean it's the best shot you can get
0: and and it's tough to get to the rim in those one four sets sometimes because you just don't have the spacing and ever, all, all eyes are on you and if you try to go to the rim, i mean you're also if you try to go to the rim you're kind of risking your defensive balance i'd also be interested to know what the math is if you're just in a straight up half court possession on going for a three versus going for a two when you're tied like that and you know the other team is going to have another possession you know like that that would be interesting too i mean we know that the math is in favor when you're down 2 uh, at the end you're getting the last shot of going for a 3 because although you have a slightly worse chance of making that 3 you can still uh if you make it you're not going into overtime necessarily whereas even if you make a 2 you still got to go into overtime so uh, th- that would be an interesting question of like hey you know if you have a guy who can shoot you know 30 35% off the dribble on a three versus like a 40 percent chance at, at making a two in the, a half court situation like that are you better off going for the three because it just makes the other team's life so much harder and then you also have no chance of getting beat by a three yourself so uh interesting here I, I, that's probably a, a math question that's a little bit beyond uh my uh, abilities but anything else you wanted to say uh, on this game uh, before we move on here
2: one small thing i think it was in the third quarter kavan looney threw one of the worst half court like passes in a half-court offense i have ever seen in my life he threw an alley-oop to i think it was to jordan bell that hit almost the top of the backboard and like it was it was legitimately impressive he actually threw one of the nicest passes one of the best decisions earlier in the game but that one i was just sitting there because also it was right in front of me and just going oh god
0: well congratulations to, to looney uh all right let's get to the celtics and pacers now this was just a wild wild game uh the celtics started off hitting their first 10 shots none of which were in the restricted area uh and then when they finally missed one Jalen Braun missed three shots in a row on one possession Indiana just slowly chipped away at it uh but still trailed by 15 at halftime and then Victor Oladipo went completely crazy in the second half he had 16 in the third quarter Pacers got back into it still trailed by seven at the end of three and then they actually got to the point in the fourth with great play again from Oladipo that they were up for five after Oladipo just made another ridiculous shot. Then Oladipo made two free throws. They still were up four. And then on the last play of the game, and we'll break down all this in greater detail, of course, as we do, Terry Rozier made a dunk off a steal with one second left uh, to win the game after... Boston had trailed by five and by four uh, within the last 31 seconds. Uh, Pretty remarkable. And Indiana didn't miss a single free throw during that time either. I mean, it was pretty, pretty remarkable that you could score four points in the last 31 seconds when you're up five and still lose the game. And that's what happened to the Pacers. The Pacers gave up 10 points in the last 31 seconds of the game
2: yeah I think it was 10 actually in the last 27 but anyway close enough and and yeah well I I,
0: I like to think of it as when does the possession start that's fair that that leads to that like I think that's you know because you you have to do some stuff to get open you know unless it's just like uh, immediately like uh, foul loose ball uh, foul let's start with Oladipo's game though I mean like I I tweeted during the game that this was another just not even all-star but like superstar type of half from him and I was very impressed with despite being shut down for most of the game by Paul George uh, how he was able to find a way to be effective late in that loss to OKC that we did for the Twitter NBA show last week and Oladipo in this one 13 of 23 got to the foul line for 10 out of 13 only had one assist in this one uh but 38 points and he was able to get it done really without the three ball falling as much as it had been now of course the threat of that is big he was two of seven from three and that's what enables him to get downhill but he had a number of really nice finishes you know I was critical. Of him when we did the True NBA show of not really finishing very well going to his left. We well, had a beautiful one-hand speed layup finish high off the glass in the fourth quarter. He had another play where uh he got into the lane, pump faked, and then stepped underneath with his right hand for a scoop shot. He is really excellent at eluding defenders and extending out for that scoop shot under the guy's arm with the right hand. Uh he, he was hitting jumpers from mid-range, who's hitting shots coming off a of wide pin downs pick and roll really just showing a lot of versatility to his game and he was being guarded by Marcus Smart like that is if not Paul George one of the last guys you want to be guarded by in a clutch situation and Oladipo lit his ass up
2: it was a wonderful performance by him, and it was great to see him succeed in a game that it wasn't so reliant on, on his pull up three, you know, that, that element of it that we've wondered about, but he's scoring in a variety of ways. He, as you said, the, the lefty speed layup finish was really nice, and Indiana needs him to be that guy right now, and that's, not, that's fine. I mean, it, something that I wanted to talk with you about just because you saw more of the, the, the meat of this game than I did. I saw the end was the decision to finish the game with Sabonis instead of Miles Turner. Some Sometimes they play them together but obviously you probably want one of the two of those guys in the final rotation. was that justified for you from the from the from what had preceded it
0: oh sure uh, on both ends I mean Sabonis had 18 points 7 to 14 and he was not only was it justified but it worked out uh, as well right I mean I mean Sabonis uh, was playing some great two-man game work with Oladipo and there was a play late in the fourth where you know Sabonis had the pick and pop jumper from two-point range working he's been money on that shot this year and so he picked and pop who's running with Oladipo gets the ball maybe about 20 feet you know right elbow extended and you know he was kind of open but, but he's not quite that like quick release versatile jumper guy yet he still needs time and space to get a shot off so instead of taking the shot he drove to his right didn't really have the avenue but it was enough to force or at least draw we should say because it probably was an overhelp from smart who is guarding Oladipo and then he found Oladipo wide open r- right up top and, and that's just a, a quick play illustrating the decision making that he can make when he catches the ball in that 20 foot area with a little bit of space he's shown some nice passing he also by the way this is a first i texted uh my buddy ricardo foyce who was his old coach at gonzaga and, and worked with him in the summer uh that he actually went left shoulder for a hook shot after al horford was sitting on his right shoulder so much now you know it bricked off the backboard pretty badly but it was progress uh from zoolander going to uh his right hand around the rim so maybe there's some hope for for even that as well but even without that you know he's been very effective and, and he was far superior uh, on both ends uh, to Turner especially when you consider that Boston is going with Horford and so uh, the additional mobility out on the perimeter that Sabonis provides was important
2: and we've been seeing over the last, I think it's four games, Stevens go more to Rosier and Market. It's actually something we talked about, I think, in the 15 and 60, and that happened again in this game, partially just due to supply. I mean, you 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 don't have as many guys with Marcus Morris out and with injuries. I, with Tice was there? Was there was some sort of issue with him, right, or was that before this game?
0: Uh, no, he played 17 minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, he, uh, he looked fine but... in the part in the part that I saw of him, but I, I was seeming to remember something. But anyway, he's no, been going with. Like, with these guard guard heavy lineups and and what concerns me about it not not like oh from a process perspective is just that there's there are two guard lineups two point guard lineups that work well but I think you need more shooting overall because that's what really creates the space to to let those guys drive because if you're a point guard who's not starting oftentimes generating separation is one of the reasons you're not starting and so I think those issues compound a little bit with the guys they're playing together
0: so uh, Kyrie Irving had a wonderful game he only played 29 minutes but had 30 30 points 12 of 23, 5 of 8 on threes. In fact, Boston, I mentioned they started 10 out of 10. They did miss a shot, which is a Jalen Brown free throw. And Jalen Brown continues to struggle from the foul line, he's a one of five. Uh, and and he also really was not good against Oladipo at the start of the third when Oladipo really got going after a rough first half. Uh, but this is one of the rare games Boston actually shot better from three point range 62 percent, 16 out of 26 than they did from the free throw line, uh, eight out of 14. Um, On their way to this Buck Twelve, and really the amount of yo-yoing both from the individual players involved in this game and the score as well. I mean, I mentioned that Indiana led by five with 31 seconds to go. Well, Boston led by seven with 4:28 to go, and then Boston would score only two points over the next three minutes and 57 seconds of gameplay after some semi-ogre free throws. And while Kyrie had been awesome to that point, he was nine out of his first 16. Then I think he went one out of his next eight, and he was. I mean, they're kind of running the time down and, and, you know, since they had a lead for a lot of this period, but holy crap. Kyrie was taking some awful shots and uh, especially, you know, just step back fadeaways. I mean, the, the one that I really can't stand is the step back three pointer going to his right uh, from the right wing that he takes at least one of each game. And he was really efficient overall. We'll get to uh, how important he was late. But the reason it bothers me so much, and this is a problem I had with Kobe too, not so much late in his career, but maybe in the middle of it, is you're too good to take shots like that, right? Like you should be able to, with the skill level that he has and his Shooting ability be able to create more separation and just be open even in an iso situation i felt like he really settled for a lot of these shots and one of them there are only two points during that stretch he bounced in on, on a step back um off the front of the rim is a, a lucky shot um but then late after oladipo hit a three and then off that sabonis assist that i talk about and then oladipo had uh that beautiful scoop shot to put him up five Kyrie hit a couple of pretty difficult threes but not that difficult of threes and when you're up by five the number one thing that you cannot do is give up a three quickly and Sabonis really failed on both of the Kyrie threes that they had in the last couple of minutes to do that and let him get some pretty open looks.
2: Again, it's the idea is is a kind of a design imperative for a defense, and that shifts based on context. You you can go into it, and, and as you said, because it, because if you give up a two, they have to. If you focus on that, they have to score a series of more times unless you foul them. And Irving had that, and then another kind of tactical mistake. Unless you want to go, do you want to go piecemeal through those final possessions? Because there's a point I want to make, but we can we can save it if we're going to go shot by shot.
0: Yeah, well, I think we can. So so Irving hits that. They foul. Uh, so and this was really interesting too, actually. Jalen Brown going for the offensive rebound when Irving made that first three-pointer to get them within two with 27 seconds left he committed a foul just shoving Lance Stevenson in the back but the shot was already in the air so the shot counted but it put Stevenson immediately at the line and I of course was like well wait a minute like that's just an enormous loophole right if the other team if you shoot the ball once it's in the air if it goes in and you still get to keep that bucket and you get to foul the guy as well if the other team has some bad free throw shooter who's in going for the defensive rebound why not if you're down just shove the crap out of that guy and then worst case scenario no time elapses off the clock and you've immediately fouled a guy who's not a good free throw shooter and then you might get to keep the bucket as well and you're putting that guy to the line right I mean that's why that was part of why I mean they basically had zero time go off the clock and Lance Stevenson's already at the line down at the other end then they denied Kyrie and so Marcus Smart just got the inbound and just went in for a, a floater in no less than four seconds going full court uh at that point the pacers used a timeout to bring in Boyan uh for thaddeus young uh oladipo got followed he made both of his free throws and then they ran another play a, a wide pin down for kyrie coming from the left side to the top that took a little bit longer to develop about 10 seconds but sabonis again was guarding orford and i mean, you're up by four like what are you doing man like the worst thing you can do is give up a three because then you know that no matter what happens the other team could get a chance to tie it and so Sabonis just was like nailed to the paint and didn't even get out there like you got to make Kyrie drive in that situation you cannot give up a three and maybe maybe because this is like the reverse myth of the quick two right where teams are like oh we can't give up the quick two it's like no actually a three is what's going to kill you here
2: and what compounded it i understand that they wanted to get the offense defense subs in with but with Boyan and Collison, and that is one of the downsides of having guys that are so one way is that they had to call their last timeout with 10 seconds to go and the preceding part of this is that
0: yeah and they had already called a timeout with 22 uh, to, seconds yeah with 22 seconds left and of course advanced the ball as well to get you know their good free throw shooters in but yeah i mean it, you you can make the argument there but when you're up you know you don't worry as much about uh, well, the but So,
2: so the, re- the reason why I am fiercely support, I fiercely support waiting to use your last timeout and f- I, uh, the other part of this is just getting the inbound. But This is a little different because of the subs they want to make, but remember this was immediately preceded by a Kyrie Irving three-point review. So yeah, they didn't have the right personnel in, but they had the ability to, to design a play, but so instead they burned that timeout and then that made it so that they had zero margin for error later on and so then the the absolute insanity that happened happened
0: well the irony of it is is that what exactly what happened which is like a pick six for a layup is what using the timeout is supposed to avoid right like you're you're supposed to advance the ball and so then at least if you turn it a you just got a much larger field of vision you can throw it in the backcourt if you need to you know it's much harder to deny the ball on the sideline like that just because you have a longer space you can throw it to you also don't have to worry about hitting the back of the backboard or something when, when you throw a pass um but also just the other team is physically further away from their basket if you turn it over and yet you know despite that they ended up blowing it i i do agree with you though I think probably my strategy there would be hey let's get it in to our our good free throw shooter and you know if we can't get it in then we'll take the timeout or if we get it in the guy gets trapped then we'll take the timeout um at least because then you know you're always wondering like hey you know if, if we can't get it in we're not going to have a timeout remaining but I mean really the the bigger failure of course I execution was just Boyan Bogdanovich throwing this path that like went so high in the air it might have even hit off the the bottom of the scoreboard and Quinn Buckner uh, on the Pacers feed um, was as soon as Boyan threw it he was like oh no no <laughs> and Rozier I mean he he basically started like the free throw line and the hilarity of it was too I mean it was a good sub by Stevens he put in Rozier and he put in Larkin and those were the two guys who ended up creating turnover but Shane Larkin is 5'10 and Boyan is 6'8 and Larkin's coming across from the middle Boyan's in the corner first of all you just got put into the game solely for your free throw shooting so how about you just accept the foul first of all instead of throwing a risky pass but second of all how about you just don't you've got this 5'10 guy you know Shane Larkin I think might have the smallest wingspan in the entire league like you can get a pass past him you know I mean this is a drill that you even do in high school right where it's like you know the line drill where there's three guys staying in the line two guys at the end try to pass the ball past the guy in the middle and the first thing the coaches say is you're not allowed to lob it over the guy you got to throw a bounce pass you got to like get it right past him uh and Boyan, of course uh did not do that and Terry Rozier made an amazing play and had the momentum and dunked it in with one second left and of course then the Pacers did not have a timeout to advance the ball at that point and, and were not able to uh get any kind of a shot
2: the other part of it is is the concept of a worst case scenario so even if Larkin coming over creates sort of a trap situation a bojan bogdanovich is way taller and b that runs a ton more time off the clock like you throw that slow looping pass and there are a lot of bad things that can happen if you just hold the ball and dribble two steps forward there yeah. aren't you don't even need to things.
0: dribble just hold the ball except the foul like I mean, you can too. just uh, i mean maybe he would get you're fearing that you might get tied up eventually but he really was kind of getting greedy like oh if i just throw it to this next guy then you know will uh the game will just just be over but and i mean there's a little concern there because even if he makes both free throws they could have tied it with a three but man i mean you're in the game for your foul shooting just accept the foul man like that so many passes go awry as a, a result of that um i'll talk a little bit about this denver okc game uh, russell westbrook 38 points including uh the game winning free throw as he was fouled late by uh, tory craig uh, the nuggets two-way guy who had an okay game actually was uh five of five from the field had 14 points, three of three from downtown. Also noteworthy, Paul George, 3 of 13, 8 points. Carmelo Anthony, 2 of 6, 4 points. As the Thunder won by one uh, in the final minute.
2: And something that Carmelo Anthony talked about after the game and Fred Katz, I believe he wrote about it for the Norman Transcript, but also tweeted about it, is that a player who is a talented offensive, especially scorer, generates a lot of attention, even if they're not taking a ton of shots. So there is a value-added proposition there, and that is compounded in Carmelo Anthony's circumstance because that reputation is, in respect on the court is often a lagging indicator. So he will draw attention at that for a long time. And the Thunder can, and in certain circumstances in this game, did use that to their advantage
0: yeah uh, although I I would say as Denver you know had a pretty nice lead throughout most of the third and then OKC was able to get back in contact while Anthony was out of the game and he only played 31 minutes in this one he came back in with like three minutes left and I bet you if you put Billy Donovan under some true serum he would have preferred to just not play him if your only goal was winning this game and uh, I thought that Denver really we saw Indiana attack Melo late we saw New York do it we didn't see it as much from philly late but i mean that should be the playbook and denver only really went after him one time and that was so late in the clock that jamal murray just didn't have much to do and had to go to a step back jumper to his left um but they really just should have been going after him every single time and for whatever reason they didn't and i thought also didn't really care necessarily for that aspect from malone and then the other thing that was just pretty miserable neither team had scored it in a a minute 20 and jamal murray missed a three with 31 seconds left and they had a six second differential my recollection as okc brings the ball up and malone starts screaming for them to foul, and they start trapping which actually i didn't mind because you know they're going to try and run the time down but then with 14 seconds left trey lyles takes the foul malone in theory i guess his thinking was well we have our offensive guys on the floor here so we got to get Mason Plumlee in for Trey Lyles and we got to get Tory Craig in for Jokic so that we can have more defense on the floor but you had a six second differential they gave that up they gave up any chance they would have to get the ball back and tie the game now if they could have gotten that foul like right at the moment that the rebound happened they had a foul to give okay you know you're not resetting the timer until it gets under 14 but as late as it was they really blew it and then to add insult to injury Craig ends up committing the foul on Westbrook which was a clear foul. Westbrook had nowhere to go. And then uh, he was basically falling behind the backboard and Craig swiped down and, and, and hit his arm. So Westbrook uh, made the free throw, uh, one of the two, but it really was just uh, pretty ugly from Mike Malone. And especially to say, okay, yeah, you know what? It helps to get Craig back in, although I didn't think he did a very good job on Westbrook. He, he was pretty good offensively, but you know I didn't really think he was like getting into a deep enough stance. And obviously Westbrook is very difficult to deal with it as well when he's playing like this but you're also allowing them to get robertson out of the game and whoever you're going to put in the game is probably not going to be as much of a defensive upgrade as them taking robertson out to put in a guy who can hit a shot like gabrinus is going to be an upgrade for them so it really just it did not care for uh, the process uh, there at all uh, and uh, they ended up paying for it and then only having one second left and having to get a, a desperation gary harris three-pointer that wasn't close uh, as there was one second remaining once they were able to advance the ball.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. And with, I I thought about this a little bit with Denver and with Indiana, that more with Indiana, but it could be with both these teams, that one game might end up mattering. You know, it's, I don't think it's going to cost either team a playoff berth. I don't think it's going to be that, but, you know, it could be for seeding. You know, you could think back to this day, it'll be five months before the end, four months before the end of the season. But, you know, one small, one small win into a loss can make the difference between the four seed and the six seed, depending on how this goes.
0: Yeah, for Denver, Uh, Will Barton had a nightmare game 0 of 8 on threes many of them pretty open as well 2 of 15 six points Trey Lyles though continues to shoot the ball extremely well I mean when he gets an open three you think it's just going to be money every time really going back to that Indiana game when he's seized a a spot in the rotation and while it appears with the way Donovan Mitchell is playing that uh, that is going to be a trade that's going to live in infamy for a while Uh, Mitchell for uh, Lyles and the pick that became Tyler Lyle. And Lyles can actually play I mean he is a very solid uh, offensive player he was able to get on the offensive glass had three offensive rebounds in this one as well can't stop anybody uh which is a major problem for him but he is a, a quality offensive player Nikola Jokic uh, was on a minutes limit in this one came off the bench for 25 minutes and and Malone had to kind of jack around the substitutions late to, to keep him around that he did not does not look quite himself yet especially in the post you know he had some opportunities against Jeremy grant where he wasn't as aggressive as we might have thought and then he actually had a weird play where he looked to have re-injured his ankle and then it turned out that patrick patterson actually had stepped on his foot as they turned to go back down court and he was grimacing it in pain but was able to return there um and then for okc i mean dakari johnson actually had uh he got the keith bogans in both halves but uh four, of four for eight points it did his job when he was out there but it was of course i mean it was very reminiscent of last year with uh the westbrook show um some really uh difficult shots that he took uh especially late and and didn't even really have the assists going in this one either as the thunder had a mere 13 assists for the game and i mean this is not some murderous row nuggets defense that they're going against i mean they are still really really struggling offensively
2: yeah I mean and something else is that Stephen Adams is in the concussion protocol now and so you mentioned Dakari Johnson played those were the only 18 minutes a traditional center played for the Oklahoma City Thunder in this entire game
0: yeah I mean they really were going with Grant at center a fair amount Patrick Patterson actually ended up closing the game and I do think that the absence of Stephen Adams hurts George in particular because he really relies a lot on those wide pin down plays those straight pin down plays where Adams screening is able to get him open so you you know, I mean, it's just. I read an article from uh, on Nalan Calculus today about how, hey, you know what? The Thunder are what we thought they were, right? Like, you know, a lot of projection systems had them with 49 wins, 51 wins. I had them a little above that, 53 or 54. um And that's just, oh, they have three stars. Like, they should be better. Well, uh, obviously, I, I think, well, that is true to some degree. And then, you know, if you look at their point differential, they're not that far below really what we thought they would be. Just the fact that Anthony and George have played so poorly and have played so, and the point was made well hey you know these guys all kind of do similar things like you're gonna get diminishing marginal returns I still don't even necessarily they're clearly not a great fit together but these guys are also just missing makeable shots for them you know I mean that's it and I think now really it seems to have gotten in Carmelo's head I think that terrible performance in New York uh, as they got blown out by a team without Porzingis or Hardaway it seems to have gotten to him I mean it's really more than the four points the six shots is something that is really a, a surprise for me and Uh, got Frank Isola writing how Melo needs to come off bench now and it's really just uh, but you know I don't care where he's playing or how I mean the ball just has to go in the basket when he shoots it when he's open you know I mean he's not even at that point right now
2: I think there's a better equilibrium here and it's not even necessarily about the ego part of starting versus coming off the bench I think it's very possible that you just want to have him start but it makes sense to have Carmelo as the linchpin of some of those lineups when Russell Westbrook isn't on the floor and just let him do his thing but they they, there are a lot of things they can try one stat because I had pulled it earlier and forgot to mention it is that after today's game Kyrie Irving has 87 points in 57 clutch minutes which is pretty ridiculous
0: yeah he probably has been the second best clutch player in the the game this year behind lebron um although again i mean you do wonder especially in the playoffs if how much of the way he's playing will be sustainable i mean and he did not actually play well in the clutch until they were down and he got those two threes late uh so i mean he still is an amazing shot maker he definitely goes into kyrie hero mode down the end and it's been working for them we will see whether that really holds up the rest of the year and holds up uh, as we get into the playoffs but but certainly it's uh it'll be interesting to see that is for sure um you know i think we'll just save news until tomorrow here there's a few things in there i wanted to give a little bit more time to and uh we are over an hour here at least in terms of raw recording time so that will do it for today we'll be back tomorrow maybe do some games to come up with some something interesting I'm not sure yet uh but you know the title will tell you what the show is so we don't really need to commit to anything right now don't you know, forget our sponsor today seek geek use that cap space code get twenty dollars off
1: your 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 first SeatGeek purchase. And we will talk to you all tomorrow night. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.